Listener Production. In the lead up to Christmas, are you worried about money? The cost of literally everything is going up, including our mortgage repayments, but not including, for most people, our wages. And that is where the stress is. Today on Feed Play Love, how to deal with financial stress. Feed Play Love with Siobhan Hunt. With the rising cost of living coming from all angles, there's increasing pressure on household budgets, which for many are already stretched wafer thin. And now Christmas is almost upon us, with all the spending that comes with the festive season. Scott Pape is famous for his Barefoot Investor books, but he's also a not-for-profit financial counsellor, helping people under financial stress. Hi, Scott. It's good to talk to you again. It's great to talk to you. Thank you for having me on. You've had a successful career in finance and as an author. Why did you want to become a financial counsellor? After, I think, I'd sold a million copies of The Barefoot Investor, uh, I remember going out for dinner with my wife, Liz, and at that time, it was sort of peak um, barefoot and the books were just flying out of the, out of the shelves. And she said to me, you know, what are, what are you going to do? Like, and we had so many offers for like, you know, hedge funds and, and financial planning firms and huge deals and people throwing money because the book was so popular. And I remember, you know what, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go to TAFE and become a financial counsellor. And she just looked at me and she went, what? So basically I went to TAFE, spent a year basically being a student, uh, which was pretty cool for a dad with four kids to actually, you know, they said, oh, you can do a correspondence. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go and relive my youth. And I'm actually going to go <laughs> in, you know, go into RMIT in Melbourne, you know, be like, you know, sit back on a Thursday and have a few beers at the, in, in the quad, you know. <laughs> And uh, but part of it was uh, to learn. Uh, obviously, uh, I have a degree, and um, I'm I have a, a background in financial services, and have had my own financial services license. But you know, learning the counselling angle, which is actually to help people who are really struggling with their finances and struggling with their life. And as part of that, I had to do about 220 hours of community service. So I worked with really vulnerable people in the community. So I worked in. Uh, women's prisons, women's shelters. I helped people that had uh, mental health issues, um, helped people who had been through natural disasters, bushfires and floods. And it was intellectually, it was just so fascinating and so rewarding that even though I'm a volunteer, I don't get paid. It's probably the dumbest financial move, you know, like I'm <laughs> very smart for the barefoot investor to go, you know what, I'm just going to volunteer my time. But I tell you what, I, I think that it is the greatest secret in finance that you can ring the National Debt Helpline, which is 1-800-007-007. And if you are struggling with your debts, if you feel like there's no way out, if you're in a relationship that you feel like that you, you can't leave because you don't have the finances, you can ring that number. They will put you through to a financial counsellor. They are not for profit. They don't charge, they're free service, it's confidential, and we will help you get back on your feet. When I hear the kind of work you did in that 200 
hours as part of your course, it sounds like you're going to some pretty extreme situations. But is it fair to say that, as you just mentioned, life happens sometimes? So it may not be anything as catastrophic as a bushfire, but there could be something just that happens in your life and you find yourself in financial stress. So is it something that you know, your average Joe could just go through and you just don't know it. And the reason I ask that is I imagine that some people might hear, you know, you can call the debt hotline and speak to someone. They might go, oh, that's not me. Like I'm not that badly off. But they are in severe financial stress and they're just not admitting it. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, so to, to that point, I remember helping out in the bushfires, uh, back in 2020 when Victoria had the big bushfires. And I remember walking to a young couple. They had, you know, three kids. Everything was burnt, like everything. Like they had nothing left. And I'm like, and and it was sort of a few months on and they still hadn't got their insurance payout. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And they're like, oh, well, you know, yeah, it's not good, but there's plenty of other people in uh, tougher situations. And I'm like, actually, no. I think that you're in a really tough situation and often what people do is they, um, yeah, they, they, they don't want to put their hand up. They don't want to be a burden. They think that they can, uh, they, they don't need help or they don't know that helps at hand. And so I think that when you're in, you're struggling with debts, it's affecting your mental health and that happens all the time. The two go hand in hand, uh, actually reaching out for someone to get some clarity and someone who can walk beside you, I think is a really strong thing. The other thing I think that I learned from going into financial counselling, and I'm kind of, you know, there was a bit of scepticism, I think, from other people in the class when I turned up because, you know, I was, you know, as the guy who'd sold, you know, millions of books, you know, and I'll be honest, I'm from a very... I'm from a country background. My parents aren't wealthy and stuff, but I'm from a very privileged background. You know, I've got two parents mm. that love each other and and a family that's really supportive. And what that training and that real world experience taught me was empathy and an understanding of the trauma that people, other people have lived through. Every day I meet people and it's there for, you know, things have happened in their life that they there's just like sliding doors something has happened Mm. and they didn't expect to be sitting there and I can I can tell you a couple of stories like that of um of clients where you know they had it all together and then suddenly they didn't everyone is going to face their financial fire whether it be their retirement whether it be illness whether it be losing a job we're, it's all coming for us. Life, no one gets out of this alive and it's just trying to give people the steps so that they too can survive and thrive. So lots of families will have been doing it tough this year as the cost of living continues to rise. Yeah. What have you been hearing from parents? It's really tough because if you're a young well. Put it this way, if you're under the age of, say, 45, you have no adult living memory of a recession. 
and I count myself as one of those people. I've I've never seen a recession in my adult life, um, and we're still not in a recession now. Although, what I think has happened is so for the last twenty years, it's been remarkably good. You know, we've had COVID and we had the GFC, great uh, financial crash. But generally speaking, things have been pretty good. You know, and and interest rates have gone down and down and down and house prices have gone up and up and up and up and if you've been lucky enough to own a home you've done pretty well but what we're seeing now is um the rising cost of living inflation is going up interest rates are going up so the average family you know it's added between seven and eight hundred dollars a month to their mortgage repayments and that's huge mm-hmm. and we're seeing interest rates continuing to rise because inflation is still out of control. So it is very stressful. And I think it's more stressful because for a lot of young families, they've just never experienced it before. Mm. So what would your advice be to those families, not just those that are paying increased mortgages? I mean, you every day you open the paper, you hear about the rental crisis and how, you yeah. know, people are offering, trying to offer more money to find a home. I mean, that leaves families in incredibly precarious situations. When families are facing the very basic increases in cost of living, i.e. a roof over their head, what would you say to those parents who, who are looking at that increase now? It just totally, it totally sucks. Um, I can only empathise. Renting in this country, I think it is a national emergency in that you've got a vacancy rate under 1%. And for my clients who are low-income, generally single parents, it's a nightmare because your rent is going up. You don't, you often have kids at school, you're working full time. When, when do you get time to try and find somewhere else, which is equally going up in price, you know, and, and, and manage the moving and the shifting around and the, the, the chaos that, that brings to your life? I mean, it's just, it is just so hard for renters right now. And I think that, you know, we are property obsessed in this country and I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think it's healthy to have renters who are effectively a different class, financially at least, that you have the haves and the have-nots and the wealth uh, discrepancy is, is stark. My thing is that I'm a really conservative dude. I don't think money over a certain amount really makes you very happy, but I think getting yourself financially stressed makes you very, very unhappy. So I'm all about being conservative. My advice is if you're freaking out right now, you mentioned opening the paper and seeing the doom and gloom. The first thing you do is don't open the paper. But what I would do is just focus on what you can control and what you can control is you know obviously you're spending but working as a team because often what happens when you get really stressed what i've seen is you kind of uh often with couples you kind of don't want to focus on it and you kind of hope it'll go away but one of the strongest things that i have seen couples do to turn it into a positive is to do what we call barefoot date nights which is part of the book you sit down you go out for dinner 
you get on the same page of what your goals are, you, you know, you set up your little buckets and you start getting a plan and saying, you know, this is actually quite achievable or we have to make some decisions. But either way, you put yourself back in control rather than being really passive and freaking out and doom scrolling at night. I guess one of the things that comes up for me when you say that is um, I think about those single parents, particularly single mothers that I know you work with, Scott, uh, who don't have someone else to sit down and, and map these things out with. It seems like a you're kind of already on the back foot when you're a single parent because you're the, the buck stops with you literally. Yeah. Is it any different for those single parents out there who are trying to get ahead, whether it's out of debt or just to get some savings in the bank? Oh, look, I mean, it's it's incredibly tough. And especially when the cost of everything is going up and, you know, keeping a roof over your head is increasing by 10 or 20% a year. Um, it's incredibly tough. But one of the reasons, and again, I'm going to sound like a real wanker here, but the reason that if you read my weekly column, right, at the end of each I have these Q and A's. Generally, the last question is: so, I get I'm so privileged now. I have so many people writing to me, telling me how they've turned their life around or how they've they've managed to get back on their feet financially because of you know reading my book and others, but you know following the steps, right? And quite often, there are single parents there who have scrapped and scraped, and it may have taken them years, but are now. Uh, they maybe have found um, long-term accommodation or they've bought their own little place um, or they've been able to get back on their feet and get some mojo, which is um, some some savings behind them. And so what I try and do with, you know, with Barefoot Investor, it's sort of the antithesis of the Lambo dude that you just want to punch in the face. It's like, <laughs> um, you know, this week I've got a single mum who bought a 1914 cottage. She said, um, she's a single parent, she's got a little four-year-old daughter and she's like, it may not look like much, but it's ours. And she left a, a domestic, a family domestic situation. She's on her own, but she was able to do it. And those are the stories that I want to celebrate because they're the things that um, that really move the, the needle for me. And so I know that I've got a lot of single parents who follow the Barefoot Investor uh, and I want to be realistic because it is really tough, but also to understand that, you know, it's not impossible. But once you start, what I have found is that the self-confidence that it builds in parents when they're starting to do it and they start to get a little bit of money behind them and it starts to build, it's the whole thing, you know, like people that have savings and have a plan, they don't feel financially stressed like you would think because they know it's only a matter of time. If they put the steps in place, they'll get to where they need to be. Given it's Christmas now and it is a time people tend to spend more money, I just wanted to touch on the role of the buy now, pay later schemes, mm. particularly when it comes to financial hardship, because it's a growing problem, isn't it? Yeah, it is. They would like to think of themselves as they do. They like to think of themselves as a budgeting app. Right, so they say, you know, you can um, split the payment four ways. Um, you don't pay any interest, and, and to that extent, it's better to go with afterpay than put it on a credit card. Obviously, you know, because you're not getting charged interest. Mm. You may get hit with late fees, but my view with it is, I've got two ideas. 
The first one is that they're not. Re- it's not really a new thing. You know, middle-aged men, you know, in in suits have been working out ways to get in the middle of a transaction, a financial transaction, for years. You know, this is not this is not new. Um, the second thing that I would say is that what I say to kids is that um, I know this sounds really weird, but I have this concept called better than new. And it's that idea that you can buy secondhand stuff and it's better than new because you don't have to worry about the packaging. Most of it is basically new uh, and you can get it for 80 or 90% off. So for me, especially with little kids uh, and my kids, I'm always talking about, you know, what you want is in the bottom of someone's shelf or, or cupboard uh, and you can get it for 80 or 90% less than what they paid for it. So they're kind of my ideas. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of uh, Afterpay. I'm not really a fan of any financial institution because I mm. think that, you know, their marketing is a lot better than our financial education. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, and finally, do you have any advice for parents out there who are maybe starting their Christmas shopping a little bit late this year, who might be panic buying? <laughs> do you have any tips on how to set a reasonable budget for What's going to be filling those Santa sacks? Look, I can only say for what we do, um, and I don't know. I, I I I'm a finance guy, but you know, I'm also a dad of four kids under the age of nine. So that, you know, there's there's usually one thing that I that we buy that I just hate. You know, it's plastic. It's just <laughs> like really, you know, my kids are, are just obsessed with Pokemon right now. Generally, I'll get them oh, yeah. to save up and buy it themselves so they work for it i'm going to sound really self-serving here and and i really apologize but you know i do believe in it the barefoot kids the book that i wrote i'm getting kids all around australia who are telling me that they are reading it cover to cover like in one sitting and that happened to me when i wrote the barefoot investor um it didn't happen with my other books but it it is happening with this book so there's something about Barefoot Kids, and I know I sound like a self-serving author, but it's kind of the one thing that you can, (laughs) it's like a stocking filler that you can buy that you kind of feel good about, whereas maybe the plastic figurines and the Disney stuff is maybe not so cool. (laughs) Any any book is, is, you know, for us is is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Scott, thank you so much. And I wish you a gorgeous Christmas on the farm with the kids and your wife. So thanks so much for speaking with us. I really appreciate it. And can I just say, um, I know you guys have got a lot of listeners. And if you are struggling with your finances, or you have a girlfriend or a friend that you think maybe hasn't put their hand up, you maybe get an inkling that they may be struggling get them to uh, call 1-800-007-007. That's the National Debt Helpline. And they can just chat to someone. It's confidential, it's free, and uh, it could well be the best Christmas present they'll ever get. Scott Pape is the author of The Barefoot Investor and a not-for-profit financial counsellor. We'll put a link to the National Debt Helpline in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the listener app 
And don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.